1: I always feel safe, as Greg, to stare too long, look too long, check everybody out. You know, sometimes we do takes where you can actually just talk to people. And so you walk up to somebody you're not scripted to talk to and sort of check them out, sort of frisk them uh, with dialogue. <laughs> it's <a> stupid phrase. <laughs> um, so, it's, but the imagery is right.
2: This is Roger Bennett, and this is the HBO Succession podcast. The show that aims to be a light in the darkness by reveling in more human darkness, that of the Roy dynasty. Though technically, my guest today is actually on the Hirsch side of the family tree. Cousin Greg, the Canadian grandson of the estranged brother of media mogul Logan Roy, first cousin once removed... From the self loathing and self sabotage of the Roy siblings. We first meet this lanky, gangly, wide eyed Rube Naif when he embarks on the company's international management training programme, vomiting through the eyehole of his mascot costume while super high. Some entry. And it all kind of descends from there for this benign, toe fungus beset California pizza kitchen aficionado capable of stapling his pants to his own leg. A wiry giant who always awkward, ever the punch bag, but with increased cunning and a slew of suits that will never quite fit, became first a fan favorite, then a stealth power-playing blackmailer, who lives his life by the advice he hands out to the Roy family before they testify at the Congressional Committee. Maybe just try to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thanks.
2: It's a delight to sit here with the actor who's made Greg the Egg, that beautiful Ichabod Crane fuck, one of the most darling characters on television, a man who GQ called America's most lovable fail son, the underdog we all root for. Oh, it's a joy to welcome to the pod, Mr Nick Braun. Hello. Wow. Wow, indeed. Your own career path is a fascinating journey to glory. You cut your teeth, age five, as a child actor straight out of Long Island, New York, carving out a niche as the ungainly good guy on Disney Channel Originals, playing roles like a wannabe superhero in Sky High in which a special power was to be able to glow in the dark. In terms of your career pre-succession,
1: where did you think you were headed? Drama. As a kid, I was like, I want to be a dramatic actor. I want to be Leo, De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis. My dad would race me on those types of actors, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I wanted to be a really emotive, serious kid. I would go to these auditions in New York at like eight, nine, 10 years old. And I loved the drama, being really serious, crying and yelling and being moody. And I guess I probably was moody at that age. But as time went on, it's really fun to do comedy. And it's really validating. With drama, you can wonder all day, the set was quiet, Did I just blow that? And they're all like, they don't want to talk to me about it. But with comedy, you kind of get a sense pretty easily. Okay, that went well. Cameramen are stifling laughter. Boom operators are trying not to laugh. It feels good in here. Smashed it. Uh uh Take us back to the source of the Greg the Egg River. How were your first approach for the part? The audition came in. It was... It was called Succession. It was Jesse Armstrong was the writer. Adam McKay was the producer-director. I didn't know Jesse's work yet, so I had to check him out. But Adam, I knew really well and, you know, had watched his movies dozens of times. And I'd never met him. I'd always revered him and been like, that would be a good pairing, I think. Like, I'd really, I think he and I get each other in a way, comedically. I read the script, I thought... I think this show is really serious, wheeling and dealing and business stuff going on here. But Greg is a totally different frequency than the rest of the show. The rest of the show, the rhythm is like, bah, 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 bah. everybody talking quickly, overlapping each other. But the Greg stuff had all these kind of question marks in the dialogue. And so it was like, OK, I can have this chunkier rhythm a little bit. And am I doing the right thing or and this sort of hesitation that nobody else in the show, the other characters don't have. So anyway, I started to sense that, and I brought that into the room, and Adam and I kind of riffed on it. He gave me some improv stuff to do, and you know, we started putting him together, Greg.
2: I'm fascinated because you only had that pilot script to go off for the audition, and the script was filled with dashes and ellipses that allowed you to start to get your head around this character, this Greg energy, a modicum of ambition, a willingness to lie a little bit, a deep desire to be considered family. What I admire about Greg is his comfort amidst discomfort, his calm amidst the cringe. And people are always trying to work out who the characters in succession are based on, which famous real life moguls. And I read that we have a guy that you met at a wedding to thank for cousin Greg.
1: This guy, he was a cousin of my friend who was getting married. He was just recklessly himself on the dance floor of this wedding and he danced with complete abandon. And he was just moving his body not to the beat in ways that were like no one's ever danced before and not judging himself for it at all and not embarrassed, you know, and everybody's looking at him and being like, you know, what the hell? I thought that there's a part of Greg that is like this guy. He is self-conscious and he is uncomfortable sometimes, but in certain moments he's totally free in this experience. He can really enjoy fearlessly this world. I think I bring a little piece of that into the wedding we have in season one. I definitely, definitely try to just be this guy. And then, you know, just that spirit when I'm on the yacht or in other places. That guy is a 7
2: out of 10 of every wedding I've ever been to on the dance floor. To everyone else, he looks a little out there. But to himself, he's just locked into living life on his own frequency, which is kind of a core value of Greg at his best. Once you got the part of Greg, and I love this story of how you practiced being, quote, uncomfortable next to people before you started shooting you wandered around public places and just started
1: trying to talk to people. In the airport to go shooting in New York, I was there a little early and I just started wandering around into different stores and talking to, you know, the people who sell you headphones and the electronics store and stuff, and just asking too many questions. Like what does it feel like for me to force myself to ask and be next to someone for too long and sense they're annoyed because you have to change your filter about certain things. So like Greg has a different filter, a different threshold than I do for awkwardness. If he really wants something, he hangs in too long. And so I had to try and teach myself that. And so I started doing that in New York and on breaks in between shooting, I would walk around and try to strike up conversation. Cause like at lunch, you know, you have an hour and sometimes you feel like maybe I wanna stay in this energy and so take a little walk and I, chat up people and too much eye contact and stuff like that you know that was really helpful in the pilot to just set the energy what is he like when he's hanging around too long
2: you said i was in an earphone place in the airport i just kept asking questions of the salesperson to find out when is the time when they will
1: walk away question for a friend nick when do they walk away it takes people a long time actually which is nice human beings want to Hang in and be like, oh, no, this person's not as weird as my gut is maybe telling me they they are. It took starting the conversation and then turning it into another conversation and then talking to them about personal stuff. And then once it got too personal, they started to back off, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: There is, for all of his different calibration, a fearlessness to Greg. It's like a white belt innocently entering a karate dojo for the first time in which there are only Roy family black belts exercising Power plays, acts of sabotage, throwing ninja star level savage barbs at everybody. He has to learn the basic blocks, kicks and leg sweeps immediately to survive. John le Carré in his novels always talks about watchers who soak in everything.
1: Hmm. Is that the essence of Greg? He definitely is a watcher in the beginning, even towards the end of season two. He's still got his, you know, what do you call it? Submarine thing, like the periscope. Like, yeah, he's always like, he's always checking. Greg is definitely gathering, always. I always feel safe as Greg to stare too long, look too long, check everybody out. You know, sometimes we do takes where you can actually just talk to people. And so you walk up to somebody you're not scripted to talk to and sort of check them out, sort of frisk them uh, with dialogue. (laughs) Stupid phrase, (laughs) Um, but the imagery is right. You've said that you think Greg is a little
2: bit like you in high school. Do things that are more dangerous. Hang out with a tougher crowd. You said, for me, I was like, I don't really like smoking cigarettes that much, but I'm going to go smoke them.
1: How much of your own anxieties did you bake into Greg? I definitely have included all that stuff. What's great about Greg is he feels all those anxieties. How do I force myself in here? The ambition, the struggle of being ambitious, but being basically the lowest on the totem pole. He doesn't let those hold him back. To the point that... I'm starting to
2: wonder whether Greg only appears to be a sweet man who's fallen into a piranha tank. Maybe he's got us all fooled. The blackmail, his read on the shifting alliances, his own power moves. You know, Even while he maintains that befuddled look of innocence, which is plastered always all over his face, there is a touch of the talented Mr. Ripley about Cousin Greg.
1: Well, I think there is a, about everybody. I mean, everyone's got that side of them that they put the lid on and they go no i've got to do the right thing be good and this family is allowing greg permission to slowly shed that thing and you know if you're in this situation and you're insulated and protected by a group and you're empowered by the group to do bad i think that influence works on you we gotta touch on your height you've got you got stealth MBA
2: height nick braun six foot six six foot seven you got Four inches on Hollywood tall boys like Liam Neeson and Bloom I mean, height for actors is typically limiting, but you've turned it to your advantage in Succession
1: with what you call Cousin Greg's looming energy. It's an asset. I definitely look not like the rest of this family, sort of looming over people, sort of lurking. I also have a bit of a hunch as him in my suits and like lurking on people. I just have this sort of hunchiness. It's a fun challenge to be this tall in a room and then also to sometimes try and hide.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's ang dot Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
2: HBO shows love using tall guys as punching bags. You are like Cousin Greg, slightly the bastard offspring of Jared from Silicon Valley and Jonah Ryan and Veep if they had a beautiful baby. So you get yours. There is so much Greg hazing in the show. Much from Tom, but we got to talk about Boar on the floor. Greg on the floor, Boar on the floor. Oh, just listening to that. Greg ending the scene on his knees, holding the first sausage high with genuine fear in his eyes. First things first. How do you deal with a scene that is so raw, humiliating?
1: I for your sausages. Is it traumatic at all, or do you just revel in being degraded? I reveled in it. I think I liked it. Man, there's some some psychology there probably about myself that I should look at, but you get permission to be embarrassed and crawl around and like get hot dog grease all over your khakis. and We're down on the floor oinking like pigs. No, no, no half-hearted oink. I want full hearted oinks.
2: Oink, 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 oink! On the count
1: of three. (laughs) It's like ridiculous and so funny and also a challenge because that scene was one of the best written scenes of the season and you don't want to enjoy it too much. I personally shouldn't be enjoying it at all. It should be pure fear, but it's just a fucking fun day of shooting. We shot that for 12 hours. I could have done it another day. You're like, this is a special day on set. While we're on the topic of sadism,
2: let's dive into Greg's relationship with Tom.
1: Hey, Tom, forgive me, but uh, are we talking to each other on the poop deck of a majestic schooner? Is the salty brine stinging my weather-beaten face? No? Why the fuck are you wearing a pair of deck shoes, man?
2: Is it a relationship that's
1: best described as mentor-tormentor? We definitely got that vibe very quickly that this is a bizarre relationship. This could be sort of a perverted, weird dynamic here. Tom needs a friend. He's tormenting him but there's also a need for company companionship someone to tell him he's good Greg does too but I don't think he needs that friendship as much as Tom does and then the more leverage Greg gains I think the more needy Tom may become. Adam McKay, Succession's executive producer says that he didn't
2: see Tom and Greg's anti-chemistry coming, that it was not planned but when you two met it was so obvious that you had something together as a duo, just a chemistry, and you proceeded to build a hilariously dysfunctional tandem that's up there in the echelon of television history, for me, with Michael and Dwight in The Office, Frank and Hawkeye on MASH, Lucille and Buster on Arrested Development, watching the two of you, you look like two blokes who are just savouring nothing more than the opportunity to crack each other up, almost playing it for an audience of
1: one together. Is that how it feels on set? Oh, man. I mean, I hope it doesn't look like we're ready to break at any moment. Neither of us want that, but we do really love... The scenes we get together they give us such fun stuff and i think matthew and i just have a kindred spirit and a kindred sense of humor and so we just take swings at each other and him physically more than i do because he's usually like launching bottles or you know doing stuff towards me it's a, it's a great time it's a really good time i mean the relationship
2: starts oh, just that joyous moment when tom says
1: Would you kiss me Would you kiss you if I asked you to? If
2: I told you to, huh? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then becomes based on shifting tectonic plates of power, ritual humiliation. I still laugh at the thought of Tom bullying Greg into drinking those vodka shots with flecks of gold suspended in them, so that you could both together experience a, quote, 24-carat piss. Not long after, you are moaning the line, I think too much edible gold hurt my tummy. I mean, how do you not just wet yourself saying things like that? Or, did you bitch me out, pig man? Straight into the face of another grown-up.
1: Oh, gosh. I forgot about those lines. He called me pig man on set a lot before we would start shooting. You just have to say the lines for real. They can't be humorous. He's saying pig man because he really means it. I'm saying my tummy really hurts because my tummy really hurts. And I guess like Greg still calls his stomach a tummy, you know, so I think think you just sort of go, okay, you have to be in the reality of it or else none of those things feel genuine. And that's why they're funny.
2: The safe room scene is pivotal because that relationship is so complex. And as the water bottles fly, that relationship does seem to pivot.
1: Stop helping! I'm to gonna... stop you! Fuck! Stop! Fuck! Stop!
2: Security! Uh, guys, No, you, you, you back go. off! You back off! This is executive
1: level business! Okay, you no. Stop, Tom! We're friends! You're one of my Fuck best you. friends!
2: And then, when Greg blackmails Tom, Wom's response is this You're in a fucking slime ball! No. Oh <laughs> boy. A show of incredible pride by stabbing each other in the back. <sighs> Living by Roy rules, it's almost as if we're watching your Bar Mitzvah.
1: Cousin Greg has become a man. He's had enough of this. It's dysfunctional. And also, this guy is not a good mentor for me. It doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. And he's a dickhead. So I think that's Greg hitting a certain, hitting a limit and taking a swing, going for it. And maybe it's not as impulsive as I'm maybe making it sound right now. Maybe it's something he's been thinking about. And I think what's fun is to hide behind naivete. And so he can do that and bring up this thing, which is will be a bold move, but it's bold under the guise of naivete.
2: So many of your scenes are light, borderline slapstick. You're in a show, though, about doomed souls, sociopathic siblings, the deepest of trauma, And you do comedy bit after comedy bit. Does that ever feel like you're in a different show to the rest of the cast? Kind of competing in synchronized swimming in the middle of a pool in which everyone else is doing the 1500 meters freestyle.
1: The first season, I definitely had a lot of those thoughts where I was like, I know what Kendall and Roman and Shiv are going through. Obviously, Brian, everything Brian does has got a deep, heavy, dramatic anchor to it. I sort of felt like, am I spoiling some of that? Is this going to fit into the show in the right way? There wasn't really an answer till I saw the show, and I thought, oh, you could just fit it all in. It all just fits in. And Jesse and those guys and Mark are really smart. They know how to weave in a comedic expression or reaction into a dramatic scene. They created something where you could put everything, all genres of tone into it. You once said that
2: Jesse Armstrong's genius is he knows how to get an hour's worth of laughs but that at the end, the audience feel like crying. And that really captures that the show flits between comedy and heady drama. Greg has definitely managed to remain on the comedy side. As an actor, are you interested? I mean, as a character for Greg, also are you interested in getting sucked into that darker, more emotive side of the show? The thing is,
1: I think his arc is really serious to him his what he's going through is really serious and when he gets sent to do that thing on Thanksgiving and shred all the documents and come back to Thanksgiving there's real hurt and fear and embarrassment and all these things towards Tom for having him you know basically sent me to get executed in the congressional hearing that's why i love that scene so much where i come back in from the thing and i'm like fuck 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 oh man oh my god uh, Fuck, man, I just turned down a quarter of a billion and now I'm going to jail forever because of this fucking guy, man, hey, this uh, fucking... You, outside. There's real stuff at stake here for Greg. It's funny, but I do really love the moments where I get to go for things in a dramatic way. But, um, yeah. yeah. Which leads us to the endgame theories populating the internet, which have gone
2: next level now that you've switched alliances and joined Team Kendall. Let me ask you, Before we dive in, is there a limit in your mind as to how high Greg can climb?
1: No, no. I really think Greg can go to the top. I I believe so. Yeah.
2: There is hope in life, Nick. There is hope in life. Because the most popular endgame theory on that never wrong website called Reddit is (laughs) that Greg will end up at... That would be some American climb. From barfing through the eye holes of a mascot costume, leveraging a seat at the table to running it all—I mean, it's like nerd Scarface.
1: <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like Scarface. Wow. It's at least really fun to watch someone just continue to try. And Greg could have been exported out of this family real early, and you know he wants to try and be moral, like you know he's like talking about his principles to Tom. ATN. It's, it's like, kind of against my principles. Your principles? Greg, don't be an asshole. You don't have principles. Dude, ATN is a very toxic element in the culture. Seriously, okay, name me one principle that you have. I don't know, like, I'm against racism. Bullshit, I'm against racism. Everybody's against racism. What else? (laughs) We'll see how much they're maintained. The transition to
2: Greg, though, has been a study in subtly and nuanced character, building Greg as an innocent when he arrives. His compass only points true north, but he is an aspirational innocent, wide-eyed amidst the dark arts. Nick, does he have it in him, the darkness, to finish someone, to do whatever it takes, Ends justify the means to be a killer, in Logan's words? Yeah, I think he does.
1: I don't know if he has to be as dark as Logan in order to achieve what he would want to achieve, but if Greg is sent through the machine that stuff can be really activated. The only thing we do know for sure is there's been
2: an outpouring an outpouring of enthusiasm for Greg. Did you anticipate him becoming such a stealth MVP, the breakout hero of Succession? How are you adjusting as Nick Braun to the genuine wonder you've received, the love, the recognition?
1: Do you make something on a set in a little compartment And then all of a sudden people start to see it in the world and you don't know how that happens. I don't know how any of that actually gets onto HBO, but it gets there and then people see it and then people like it and then people create all their theories and things in their head and infatuations for Greg or for Kendall or, you know, a lot of people think Kendall is very sexy. Um, So, (laughs) uh, I mean, I certainly do. Uh, No, but... um, (laughs) But you know, so it's it's just it's weird. It's a weird thing, but it's fun. It's great to have something that people love to talk about, and they have their own theories, and they tell them to me on the street. I mean, it's not just people, Nick.
2: You now go to parties and a corner by the likes of Bill Clinton, Paul McCartney, who out themselves as cousin Greg fans. I believe Bradley Cooper wanted to test his fan theories on you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Everybody watches the show. That's the thing that I can't believe. Like, everybody has seen it. So, well, I will say,
2: when I met Bill and Paul... You're on first-name basis with (laughs) President Clinton. Does it just become
1: normal at this point? Oh, it's still very amusing. It's still very bizarre. You know, we went to the Golden Globes this year, and the people that you get to meet, they're just people that I've always revered, always... I still get starstruck by people. And then when they're like, oh, I love your show... I can't believe i'm meeting you i'm like this is this can't be real i want to work with all these people so hopefully someday i'll get to and i know i'm being vague because i'm like just seeing all the faces of the people in my mind but i I i'm not a name dropper so but it's just like it's fun it's really fun it's fun to to know that people enjoy your work that are people that are good actors
2: is this the real life is it just fantasy one thing for sure succession has changed your life And if you met cousin Greg for real Nick, what lesson would you take from your own career, your own rise, your own trajectory and professional success and recommend to him?
1: What I would tell cousin Greg, right? is me giving a lesson to cousin Greg. What you want is important. So what you want for yourself, you shouldn't fight against it. You should give yourself a real shot at what you want specifically. Cause you know it, you know, maybe it takes some digging, but you know it
2: in yourself. How do you go about finding that out of interest? I mean, that is amazing cousin Greg knowledge.
1: If cousin Greg, Gregory says, how do I do that? I would go, well, when do you feel bad somewhere? And when do you feel bad? So (laughs) when do you feel most sweaty? And that's the time when you need to take a look at, do you want to be in that room or in that conversation? Or what can you do to reorient this and make yourself not be so sweaty?
2: Oh, my God. You would make Cousin Greg's head explode, Nick, with that piece of advice. Just his head would fill with ferreting around on the floor after sausages. (laughs) Water bottles flying towards him. 24-karat gold piss. You are a beautiful man, Nick Brawl. We thank you for the joy that you've given to millions. And I include Paul McCartney and Bradley Cooper in those millions. With Greg Hirsch, to you, to your success. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, man. Thank you. It's been great talking. It's really fun talking about the show in this way. So thanks for having me on.
2: Wherever you hide, the party finds you. Courage. (laughs) This is Roger Bennett, and we'll be back with more on HBO Succession Podcast next week. For now, I'll leave you with some classic Greg the Egg.
0: Gregory Hirsch, executive assistant to Tom Womsgans, correct?
1: Yes. <clears throat> yes, if, if it is to be said.
0: I'm sorry. Uh,
1: if it is to be said, so it be. So it is.
0: Are, are you all right?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, I merely wish to answer in the affirmative fashion.
0: You can speak to us normally.
1: Okay. No. S- thank you, sir. Uh, uh, so I shall.